Come on now. Amen. Well, we are, we are continuing our series here on praise is the highway. And we have been looking at the fact that through our praise, we can experience being transported into not only God's presence, but also experiencing him transporting his working in our lives. And praise is a highway to the throne of God, to the heart of God, and to the move of God. Let me share with you a true account. Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. was a member of the U.S. Supreme Court for 30 years. At one point in his life, Justice Holmes explained his choice of a career by saying, I might have entered the ministry if certain clergymen, ministers I knew, had not looked and acted so much like undertakers. <laughs> In other words, he was put off by the lack of joy displayed through those ministers. And in his mind, he was thinking, why would I want to engage in a profession that seems joyless? My question is, so where is the joy? Where is the always rejoicing in the Lord? Where is the always giving praise with joy in our hearts for the great things he has done? Uh, Pastor John Hagee, on more than one occasion, says of Christians, some of you have a face that looks like the reprint of the book of Lamentations. And, <laughs> in other words, you, you look sad, and you look like you have the long face of a mule. Uh, but as believers, we are called to be joyful. Now, joyful, as we, we've noted throughout uh, this series as well as in others, it's different than happiness. Happiness has to do with happenings. As long as something's happening, we're happy. Joy is not contingent upon conditions. Joy is based on the character of God. And God does not change. God remains forever the same. And that's why joy can continue because God continues to be who he is at all times. Now, why talking about joy from the onset, Pastor? Because the text that we're going to look at tonight speaks of joy. In Psalms 149, verse 5, and I'm going to read it out of two different versions of the Bible. First, out of the New King James. It says, let the saints be what? Joyful in what? Glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. And then in the classic amplified version, it reads, let the saints be what? Joyful. Notice, in the glory, and then it adds, and beauty which God confers upon them. Let them sing for joy upon their beds. Now, in both of these translations or biblical versions, the word joyful is from the Hebrew word aulas. Aulas. And this word means to jump for joy. 
That is, exult, be joyful, rejoice, triumph. It means to jump for joy. To jump for joy. Now, what I want you to notice is that the Bible says in, in Psalms 149, verse 5, in the Amplified, let them sing for joy. Let them sing for joy. Did you get that? Let them sing for joy. In other words, if you want joy, you got to sing for it. Let them sing for joy. Not let them sing because they're joyful. But let them sing for joy. Why, why is that significant? Because what I've learned is praise is also the highway to the joy of the Lord. Praise is also the highway to the joy of the Lord. It says, let them sing for joy. Not because they have joy, but for it. Now, how's that connected? Well, you, last week, uh, my wife shared out of Psalm 1611 that says, In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence is fullness of joy. And we know Psalm 22, 3 tells us that God dwells or inhabits the praises of Israel or the praises of his people. So it, that means then that he comes in his presence to be present among the praises of his people. And wherever his presence is, what is there? Fullness of joy. So when we sing for joy... What are we doing? We're, we're singing because we know that our praises invite His presence. And with His presence comes the fullness of joy. Isn't that elementary? Would you say elementary? Elementary, my dear Watson. Yes. A man said the following. While walking along a busy street one day, I heard someone singing. His sweet voice was distinguishable even above the noise of the traffic. When I located him, I noticed that he had no legs and was pushing himself through the crowd in a wheelchair. Catching up with him, I said, I want you to know how singing from a person in your condition gives everyone else a lift. He answered with a grateful smile, When I stopped thinking about what I had lost and began concentrating on all I had left, I found much more for which I could rejoice and be happy. You see, joy is actually a matter of perspective. It's a matter of perspective. And I find people that are despondent, discouraged, and even depressed are so, sometimes maybe because of chemical imbalance, but by and large, it's because of what they're seeing, of how they're viewing life, of how they're perceiving their present circumstance. Now, the psalmist tells us to sing. Uh, One of the things that blows me away, he says, sing aloud. 
on your beds. When's the last time you and I actually did that? I mean, I'll tell you right now, if I was to sing aloud on my bed, my wife would slap me probably. (laughs) Seriously. She would probably slap me because when we go to bed, she expects us to be in a state of quietness. And as you know, I am a calm, quiet type person. No, I, I, I'm, I'm energetic. But, and, and if she was to tell you, the, the early years, and even my kids, they, they would get frustrated because at the time, they, you knew when I was up. Because I'm one of those that sings in the shower. I whistle through the hallway, and while I'm ironing, I would be, well, you know. Now, the question is, why are we called to sing? We've already noted throughout this series that in the scriptures we are commanded to sing over 300 times. It's a command. Why sing? Well, the psalmist tells us why we should sing. is because of glory. Glory. Say glory. Now, when he speaks of glory, he's talking about honor. And what he's referring to is that God has conferred honor on us. God has honored us. Think of that. God has conferred honor on you and I. Just like with his old covenant people. He said to them, I chose you. Among all the nations of the earth, I chose you. And he called them the apple of his eye. He chose, he conferred honor on them by choosing them. Though they would appear to be, and even to this day, recognized as a very small nation, God chose them. And in choosing them, in spite of their lack of numbers and qualification, He conferred honor on them. Well, guess what? We that are part of the new covenant people, we also have been chosen. We are a chosen generation. First Peter 2 8 tells us we are a holy nation. In other words, we have been set apart by God for him to be his. We have been also given honor. Glory. Now, the psalmist David on one occasion made a statement about God. And it's in the context of having his kingdom taken away through the rebellious working of his son Absalom. His son Absalom turned the hearts of the people against King David. And instead of trying to exercise his authority as a king, In essence, David pulled back and surrendered his kingdom reign to Absalom and went out to the wilderness to escape him. And it's in that context that he writes Psalms 3. And I want to read three verses out of there. Psalms 3, beginning with verse 1 down to verse 3. He says, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. 
If you read 2 Samuel 15, you'll discover there the account of when this rebellion by Absalom took place. And it does point out that because of Absalom's manipulative manipulative working and scheming among the people as they came to see the king, he was able to tell them, look, I know it's taking long for the king to attend to your request and your concerns, but if I was king, and he started turning the hearts of the people from King David unto himself. And when he felt secure enough to rise up in revolt, he did so. And even there in Second Samuel 15, it speaks of an increase of people turning against David to Solomon. And David uses that very language in this Psalms. But notice they were saying, there is no help. For him and God. But David teaches you and I that we need to not be quiet in the face of what others are saying. We need to speak what we believe and know. Look at in verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory am the one who lifts up my head. They were saying, there's no help for him in God. But David didn't keep quiet about it. He said, but you, O Lord, you're a shield around me. In spite of this revolt, you are my protector. In spite of these that have turned against me, I believe you will keep me. You will watch over me. you got to come to a place in your life where you truly believe that God is who He said He would be in your life. And even when others will be hating on you, you've got to declare the truth of who God is. He says, My glory... And the one, why did he say the one who lifts up my head? Because when he was leaving Jerusalem, the Bible says that he was leaving in shame. Going up the Mount of Olives. His head was covered along with those that traveled with him. His head was disgraced. His head that was now down cast was saying I'm defeated but then when he gets away and is in the wilderness the light turns on and he realizes I'm not king because of what I did I'm king because God anointed me I'm king Because he chose me. And the light turned on. If he chose me, he's in charge of me. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You're my glory. 
You're the one that has honored me. And you're the lifter up of my head. You know what he's declaring? He's prophesying. He's speaking ahead. I will be restored to my former position because it wasn't I who called me there or appointed me there. I am anointed and chosen by God. And if he chose me, he's in charge of my life. He will preserve me. He will keep me. And ultimately, he will restore me to that place that he set me apart for. You've got to believe that even when you find yourself in a situation where you feel like I'm not where I ought to be or I'm not where God's appointed me to be, you've got to come to realize that your God is not one who starts and then leaves you. No, he is there till the end and he's going to see to it. That you're where He has called you to be. You're my glory. And the one who lifts up my head. When we go back to Psalm 149, verse 5, he, in the Amplified, it says that not only has he, get, he, is He our glory, He's also the one that's conferred on us beauty. Beauty. There's a messianic prophecy in other words a prophecy concerning the messiah jesus that isaiah gave hundreds of years before jesus got here isaiah prophesied jesus ministry and mission under the power of the spirit and we find part of that prophecy in isaiah 61 verse 3 and it says that what jesus would do would be to console or comfort those who mourn in Zion, and then it says, to give them beauty for ashes. How many of you have heard that phrase, beauty for ashes? If you've been in church for a while, you know, you hear that. He gives beauty for ashes. What is that really saying to us? In one of my resources, it points out that the word beauty has in mind a beautiful crown or head ornament. The word beauty, as used here, has in mind a beautiful crown or head ornament. It is translated exquisite hats in Exodus 39, 28, and headdresses or headbands in the New King James in Isaiah 3, 20. In mourning, ashes would be cast upon the head. When a person was in mourning, ashes would be cast upon the head. But what Isaiah is prophesying is that Jesus, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, He will give you a crown on your head in place of ashes on your head. <laughs> this is good. In other words, I'm going to change your condition from mourning to reigning. I'm, I'm going to change your condition from mourning to reigning. Whatever broke your heart, I'm going to give you the ability to not only be healed of it, but to rule over what broke your heart. Ooh. Whatever led to your mourning 
is not going to hold you forever as a victim. I'm the one that by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I am able to give you a crown. I am able to give you the ability to reign whatever victimized you, whatever dominated you, whatever enslaved you and brought you to a place of brokenness and shame and embarrassment and mourning and crying and despair. I'm the God that by the anointing of my spirit, I can give you beauty for ashes. I will put a crown on you. I will lift you up to a position of dignity though previously you found yourself wallowing in shame. That's what David was declaring. You're my glory and the lifter up of my head. I might have left Jerusalem with my head downcast but the light turned on. Wait a minute. I wasn't king because I got there on my own doing. God called me. He anointed me. And if he called me, he's in charge of me. And something let him know, you're going to get back there. You will be restored to your position. Wow. So why sing? Because he's our glory. And he gives us beauty for ashes in place of mourning. He empowers us to reign. Amen. Why sing? Because singing will cause you to rest. Psalms 149 verse 5 says, Sing aloud. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Singing will cause you and I to rest. Because when we sing to the Lord, what happens? His presence envelops us. Now, how many of you have a comforter on your bed? Maybe not right now. because, of, But I, if, in case you ever want to buy PD and I a comforter, Make sure it's a cool one, you know. I like those cool comforters. I'll take them off my bed and I'll take them to my sofa, you know, those cool ones. There's a reason why it's called a comforter. Because it comforts you. Right? It comforts you. You, you, you wrap yourself in it and you feel comforted. You feel calm. Now watch this. I want you to see this. When we sing aloud to God in our praises... He comes as a comforter. His presence envelops us, encloses us, shelters us. His presence. And look what he told Moses in Exodus thirty-three, fourteen. He told him, my presence will go with you and I will give you what? This word rest in Hebrew, it means to soothe, to quiet, to steal. Soothe, quiet, steal. Have you ever been anxious or troubled at night when you've gone to bed? I have. Have you ever gone to bed worried? And as a result, you can't really sleep. You're agitated. Have you ever sang 
your way to sleep. Or listened to songs to try to get some sleep. When I looked at this verse, I realized, yeah, there's a reason why singing is connected to sleep. Because when we sing to him and his presence is manifested, he soothes our soul. He calms our fears. He stills our troubled heart. Before you go to that medicine cabinet, (laughs) worship. And I'm not telling you something that I haven't practiced. There's been some nights I've had to excuse myself from my bed and go to the sofa and just worship. And in that worship, I have sensed his presence come upon me. And my troubled heart has been stilled. My mind that has been perturbed has been calmed in his presence. That's why I believe the psalmist says, sing aloud. In fact, this morning, I woke up with the song. Raise a hallelujah. No, I didn't sing it because my wife was there. But I'm serious. I get up and all it's in, it's going on in my soul. And I'm dying. I'm dying. If you you know, you got a type A personality, somebody that's wired like me and I know I can't move. So I go to the shower and and I do sing, but I, I'm smart now. I sing low. I raise a hallelujah. And then I just party in there all by myself. I just party now. You know. But seriously, you guys think I'm joking. But I said, man, there's a reason. And sure enough, throughout the day, the peace of God. Because when you sing, it invites His presence And where his presence is, there is rest. Say rest. Rest. And then watch this. Singing will help you grow and go through the test. Singing will help you grow and go through the test. In Job 35.10, there's an interesting statement made. But no one says, where is God my maker Who gives songs when? In the night. Where is God my maker who gives songs in the night? In Psalm 42 verse 8 it says the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. Watch this. And in the night his song shall be with me. God gives songs in the night. And the psalmist says... In the night, his song shall be with me. And remember what we noted on Sunday. Paul and Silas in Acts 16. At midnight, the Bible says in verse 25, Paul and Silas were praying in what? Singing hymns to God. Why? Because he's a God who gives songs 
in the night, when it's dark, in the night, when we're most prone to become fearful and anxious, in the night, He gives songs, but I want you to get a hold of it. He gives them, but you still have to sing them. His song will be with you, but you got to sing it in order for its power to be released. This is what I've learned. He'll bring to mind a song, but you got to sing it. And you got to sing it like you mean it. They sang it like they meant it to such degree that it says all the other prisoners listened to them, heard them singing. They sound, they sung loud enough for others to hear. And how does it say in Psalm 149, the saints are to sing, sing aloud on their beds. Now, I love birds. I love birds. I love the eagle. I've studied the eagle. When I was going through a time of depression, God used the birds to minister hope to me. The birds of the air. I still remember a day at Cutler School, waiting because of a meeting with one of our children's teachers. And I was out on a picnic table and there was a tree there and birds were singing. And the Holy Spirit brought to mind when Jesus said, That he takes care of the birds of the air. And you are of more value. He'll take care of you. The birds reminded me of God's care. Well, there's a bird that I like because it likes to sing. In fact, it can sing like in 13 different tones. They say it's like got like 13 different types of song in it. It's called the nightingale. The nightingale. In the early 1820s, John Keats, the English poet, went outside one evening for the specific purpose of sitting under a tree and listening to the sound, the song of a nightingale. The bird renowned for singing its song at night. Several hours later, one of his friends said that Keats returned home with scraps of paper in his hand. On them, he had composed one of the most famous poems in history, Ode to a Nightingale. Keats was captivated with the nightingale, that bird that could sing its song in the night. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, then you can be like the nightingale as well. Because as we noted in the book of Job, he's the God who gives songs in the night. In the darkest hours of your life, you can still have a song to sing Charles Haddon Spurgeon stated on one occasion, Sing in fine weather, any bird can do that. Praising God when all goes well 
and is commonplace at your job, everybody marks the nightingale, he continued, above all other birds because she sings when the other minstrels of the wood are silent and asleep. And thus doth faith praise God under the cloud. He says, songs in the day are from man, but God himself gives songs in the night. He says, oh, come let us sing unto the Lord under the cloud. Let us pour forth his praises in the fires. Let us praise him under the depression of our soul. Let us magnify him when our heart is heavy. The nightingale teaches me that I can sing when life is its darkest. Because he's a God who gives songs in the night. And one more thing I discovered about the nightingale is this. Singing at dawn, an hour before sunrise, is assumed to be important in defending the bird's territory. They assume that the reason why the nightingale sings at dawn, the hour before sunrise, is to defend its territory. It's declaring through its song, you can't come here. This is my territory. Ah, what does the psalmist say? In Psalm 57, verses 7 and 8. My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Then he says, wake up, my heart. Wake up, O lyre and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. I want to encourage you, like the nightingale, get your song going early. Start your day with the song of the Lord. Because in doing so, you're letting the devil know, I know that this is my territory. I know that this home belongs to the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Start your day before the beginning of the day with the song declaring to the heavenlies, I know that I have an inheritance from God and there is nothing of the working and scheming of the enemy that has a right to what God has given me. He's a God who gives songs in the night. Praise Him. It's the key to joy. We all know the verse in Nehemiah 8.10, The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And the word strength there is a word that is translated in Hebrew also as stronghold, as fortress. Our protection, our security is found in his joy. And how do we experience it? We got to sing for it. We got to sing for it. This is why I've been encouraging you throughout this series. 
engage in praise. Praise is more than a preliminary in preparation for the preaching. Praise is the highway to experiencing God's presence and power in our lives. And when we sing, we experience the coming of His presence. And in His presence, there is fullness of joy. God's giving you a song. Sing it. Sing it. Sing it. Amen. Father, I praise You. I exalt You. You are my strength and my song. And You have become my salvation. I praise You. The God who gives songs in the night. I praise You. The God who gives me songs to sing. feel very strongly about this right now. Psalm 32 verse 8 it says of God He compasses me about with songs of deliverance. Hear that. He's a God who gives us songs and the songs that He gives are songs of deliverance. Paul and Silas sang. They experienced deliverance. A deliverance that not just impacted them, but everyone else that was in chains in that prison. Their chains fell off because Paul and Silas dared to sing. In spite of the pain. Let me remind you. They were not in that cell. They were not in that prison. Because of something they did wrong. They did something right. They set a young girl free of demon possession. And it could be that you're wondering, why am I going through this? What have I done to be going through what I'm going through? But instead of questioning the with why, choose like Paul and Silas to keep on singing. I will praise you, my Father, because you do not change. I will sing to you because you are forever faithful. I don't need to know all the reasons 
I just need to know that I am your child. Knowing that I know I'm okay because I'm under your care. And regardless of where I'm at right now, it cannot stop the fulfillment of your ultimate purpose for my life. Mm, I will sing. I will sing. I will worship. Father's given you a song tonight. It's the key to your deliverance. It's the key to your strength. It's the key to the rest for your soul. He's given you a song tonight. Receive it. Receive it. He's given you a melody in your heart tonight. Receive it. like a child tonight. Be humble enough to verbalize as simple as it may seem what comes to your heart regarding God in your life. Yeah. I love you, Lord. I love you, my daddy. I love you, my Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for being my daddy. I love you. Mm. Yes. I sense the Lord just ministering to souls right now to your mind your emotions through his presence right now some of you are being quieted in your soul God is bringing stillness to souls that have experienced storms within God's calming your chaos right now receive it right now Jesus' name.